faithful, O God. We meditate on your unfailing love. Like your name, O God, your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Deuteronomy 30.16 says, For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. In Psalm 46, verse 10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. You know, there's a part of God that you'll never experience without stillness in your life. There's a connection with God that you'll never have without stillness. We don't do real well with stillness because we get busy with life and, and things get fast and we got this hurried pace at making decisions and, and worried pace at what's going to happen and we're concerned about the future and life goes on. And life gets loud and we begin to wander. We have a, a lot of activity in our life, but not a lot of contentment. A lot of connections in our life, maybe, but not a lot of deep relationships. So this noise of life comes into, uh, into our life and causes us all to wander. And the whole time God is saying... If you want to know me, be still. If you want to know me, experience stillness. Experience stillness and you won't have to wander. Experience stillness and you won't have to find yourself lost. A guy by the name of Bernie Krause is a recording technician that records natural sounds for Hollywood and movies and, and television shows. And he said that in 1968, if he wanted to get one hour of natural sound, no cars, no airplanes, uh, no people walking, anything, just one hour of natural sound, it would take 15 hours of recording time to get one hour of birds chirping or wind blowing or whatever. Now, to get that same one hour of uninterrupted time takes over 2,000 hours. So we experience noise in our life all of the time. There's just more stuff. There's more things to do. There's more places to shop, more things to buy, more cool little gadgets to get. There's just more activities to do. There's just more and more and more. And while we have more stuff, we have less quality time, less direction. And it's like we've all kind of wandered off at times. We're trying to find our way back. If you're here for the first time today, like it's already been mentioned a couple times, today's service is a little bit different. It's quiet. There's not a lot of media on the screen. That's for a reason. And we think about you first-timers every time we plan a service. We think, well, how, how would a person there for the first time see that? Would they think it was weird? Would they think, oh my gosh, this church, well, I just went and it was quiet the whole time. I'm not, not sure how to take that. Well, come back next week. It won't be. But for today, we're going to focus on silence on, and, and also on the noise that causes us to wander through life. We're, we're in a series called Image is Everything. And over the last few weeks, I've been talking about how 
Our image of God determines a lot of things in our life. It determines how we see ourselves. When we look in the mirror, it determines how we see and treat other people, and it determines how we live. So our image of God is really important. I spent some time talking about some very destructive images people have, and then I made a shift and started talking about some constructive images. All of those images come from Scripture. Every destructive and constructive image I've talked about has come right out of Scripture. And right now there's some people coming down the aisles right now with Bibles. We believe that that Bible is God's inspired Word. So if you don't have one, take it. If you need an extra one, take it. It's yours to keep. You can follow along as I read today from some passages in there. Life gets so busy. Life gets so fast. Life throws things at us that cause us to get off track. We need, this, we need an image of God that provides comfort. Because many of you are in a place you never intended to be. You've wound up in life in a place that, that you never intended to be. So you come in here, you walk through life just searching, hoping, not knowing what to do next. Just this unsettled feeling that something's just not quite right, that you've got to get something right. And, well, you, you wander through life feeling kind of just lost. And that brings us to our next constructive image of God. And that is the image of God being a single-minded shepherd. Jesus's job on earth was to reveal the heart of God to people, to, to live in a time when he could reveal God's heart to people so we could know who Christ is, so we could know who God is, so we could have a relationship with God while we're on earth and after this life. His job was just to let people know this is the heart of God. This is what God really meant for you to understand. This is what God really, the way God really meant for you to live. Jesus was trying to change some messed up images people had to correct images. Several times in Jesus' teaching, he refers to himself as a shepherd. He refers to God as a shepherd. Jesus would have read what King David wrote in Psalm 23 when he said, The Lord is my shepherd. David wrote those words because he knew what it was like to take care of sheep. So when Jesus starts trying to communicate different images of God to people. One of those images was that of a shepherd. And so Jesus is trying to erase these destructive images that people have of God. And there's numerous analogies in scripture of a shepherd and the sheep. A first century shepherd or any shepherd in that area would have, would have lived a very different kind of life, even from a shepherd that we might think of today. It wasn't just a job. Uh, being a shepherd wasn't something that you thought, well, I'm going to go into shepherding. I hear there's good money in that. that. That wasn't how people became shepherds. It was just a way of life. It wasn't a job. It was how they lived. It was a choice they made to live. It was handed down from generation to generation. And a shepherd just wasn't this guy that took care of these sheep like they were just things. They were literally part of his family. Anybody have a pet that it feels like that pet's part of your family? Yeah, we, well, I, I kind of do, and I want to be truthful, um, but there's a limit, right? You would think, well, if our, I was talking to somebody the other day, and we were talking about how much money would you spend to get your dog okay, and, and we stopped talking at $5,000 somebody would spend to get their dog 
fixed, operated, disease cured, whatever. And I was like, oh my goodness, you know, how many dogs can you buy for $5,000? But some people see their pets like our family does. It's, just, it's part of the family. And, and, and you just take it with you on vacation. You, it, it roams around the house. Just part of the family. That's not even close to how a shepherd was close to his sheep. I mean, he took care of them. He, he was with them all the time, 24-7. He led them around. He made sure they had food to eat. He took them on walks. He pinned them up at night to keep dangerous, dangerous animals away from them. I mean, a shepherd and his sheep were just like family. So God is referred to throughout the Bible as a shepherd. So if God's the shepherd, guess who the sheep are? Guess who are the sheep? You can talk back. That's us. We're the sheep. It's kind of humbling to be referred to as a sheep. I mean, maybe a dog. You know, a dog is friendly. A dog is fun to play with. Dog's enjoyable to be around. And so why can't we be just, you know, like puppies? Nope. He called us sheep. Or maybe like a lion. A lion is strong and confident. But he referred to us as sheep. I'm going to talk about sheep in just a minute, but just think about sheep and, and how they're just not tough at all, are they? I mean, just think about this. The Detroit lambs <laughs> doesn't have the same ring. Or, or the Dallas sheep. You know, just nobody chooses a sheep as their mascot. Sheep, if you read about them at all, they're stupid animals. Sheep need constant attention They can't even find food on their own without the shepherd to lead them where the food is, to lead them where the water is so they can eat and drink. They wander off all the time. I I don't know if any other animal is scared of a sheep. Do you think there's any other animal? Oh, goodness, look out. The sheep are coming. They're going to get us. They're not. Sheep are easy prey for any predator. And I also read this week that out of all animals... There's one that just can't sleep, and that's sheep. They can't sleep without the pen and the comfort of the shepherd. On top of all this, sheep stink too. Sheep have no sense of direction. Sheep wander off. They need the constant protection of their shepherd. In Luke 15, Jesus paints a picture of a shepherd that has a heart for his sheep. It's on page 726 in those Bibles we handed out. Jesus was hanging out with some people that the other religious people didn't like Jesus hanging out with. Jesus seemed to have this attraction towards people who were far away from God. Jesus seemed to have this attraction for people who had wandered off, who had gotten themselves in a mess, and who needed rescuing. Jesus was attracted to those kind of people. And other religious leaders of that day thought that was crazy. And they were constantly giving Jesus a hard time for hanging out with people who had wandered away from God. In Luke 15, in response to religious leaders asking Jesus, why are you hanging out with these kind of people who are so far from God? Jesus tells this story. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost sheep. 
If you picture this shepherd corralling all of his sheep at the end of the day into the pen, and all of a sudden the shepherd gets a feeling that just something's not quite right. He's not counting the sheep one by one, but he feels like something's missing. Something doesn't feel right. And then he notices one's gone. One's missing. One has wandered off. One is in danger. So the shepherd makes the decision, I'm going to go find it. I'm going to leave you 99 here, and I'm going to go find that one that has wandered off, that one that has lost its way. So the shepherd decides to take risks, and nothing matters but finding that one sheep that had wandered off. So Jesus gives us this picture of God as a shepherd, as an image to embrace. We're the sheep. He's the shepherd. And we act like a sheep sometimes, needing constant attention, needing constant care, wandering off, not being able to make the right decision. And he knows we need that constant care. He knows we're going to goof up. He knows we're going to wander off. And that's why Jesus said, you need to understand you're like sheep that have wandered off. But God is that shepherd that will come after you. God is that shepherd who will search for you. God is that shepherd who will take whatever risk necessary, and he did by sending his son to earth, whatever risk necessary to find you. He's our shepherd. There's a few observations if you're taking notes you might want to write down about this story in Luke chapter 15. When Jesus is paralleling us and God with with sheep and a shepherd, He gives us this beautiful image of a shepherd that does this. When we wander, he searches. Luke 15 verse 4 said, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? You know, life has a way of getting us off track. Life has a way of just causing us to wonder. Nobody really decides to get off track. Nobody really decides to wonder. Nobody really decides, well, I'm going to veer off course and I'm going to be so off course by the time I'm 30, 40, 50, 60, whatever, that, that I'm not even going to know where I am. Nobody makes that decision, those decisions. Nobody makes a decision to destroy relationships in their life, but they wander off course and it happens. They wander off course and the marriage is about to go down in flames. The sobriety they've enjoyed for years is about to be lost. The job is in the tubes. And the debt is so high you can't get out of it. And you've wandered off course. But when we wander, he searches. And all those things that we thought would fill up our lives, would make us happier, would make things better, didn't. And then we find ourselves lost. There's two words that are guaranteed to make my wife roll her eyes every time I say them. Guys, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, no matter when I say them, no matter where, I get the eye roll, okay? We're on a trip. We're driving. And I say these two words. And she's even got my, uh, our kids in on it. So all three of them rolling their eyes at me. And I say these two words, and it's like, oh, boy, here it goes again. And the words are... <laughs> The words are shortcut. I know a shortcut. I know a better way to get there. 
I think if we go down this road and make this, I think we can get there faster. And those two words have gotten us into trouble. Those two words have gotten us lost in East St. Louis, Missouri in the wee hours of the morning thinking we're going to die. This is the last time we're ever going to be on this earth because this is a place where people get killed. Windows are barred up. There's burned out cars on the road. There's people standing on the corner probably doing something they're not supposed to be doing. We're dead. One time I got us lost in Los Angeles in the, oh my goodness, worst part of town. Because I thought I knew a shortcut. So it was scary. Our lives can get scary too. When we wander off course and we go places we never thought we would go, it gets scary. But when that happens, when those mistakes happen, when those goof-ups happen, when that wandering starts, he will search for you. Just like the shepherd took off into the wilderness looking for the one that was lost, he'll take off after you when you've wandered away. We wander and he searches Another thing, when we read this story about the shepherd and the sheep, we find out that we get tired and he picks us up. Luke 15 verse 5 says, when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. You know, today we have more vitamins, more exercise equipment, more fitness plans more machines, more conveniences than any other time in history, and yet we're tired. Yet we're hurried. The other day, we're sitting in a restaurant getting ready to go in, and this little girl came out, and her mom had her, you know, holding her, her arm was up like that, and she was stretching her long, and they were going real fast, and the little girl was, her feet was going as fast as we can. I didn't hear what the mom said, but the little girl says, Mom, why are we always in a hurry? She was only like two years old, and I thought, gosh, that's so true. We're always in a hurry, and that not only makes us physically tired, it makes us emotionally tired, emotionally spent. Wandering through life is tiring. But not only when we're wandering can we be found by God, God will lift us up out of the mess we've gotten ourselves into and place us on his shoulders. You notice when the shepherd found the sheep, he didn't scold it, he didn't get a switch off of a tree and beat it. He didn't say, you stupid sheep. I knew you were going to wander off. I've tried to tell you. He didn't kick it back to the corral. What did he do? He picked it up with, and there's the one word in there that you need to remember, joyfully. He joyfully put it on his shoulders and he went back. So if your image of God is a God that when you get out of line, he kicks you back in. When you you mess up, when you make mistakes, when you're down as far as you can get, he's like, I told you. I told you, you should. That's not the image of a shepherd. A shepherd picks up the sheep and he puts it on his shoulder. So when we're tired, God lifts us up. I've heard a lot of people talk about finding God in their life. I found God. I found God. And I've always said to people that say that to me, well, where was he? I mean, did you like go to Kmart one day and he was there? Did you, were you driving down the road? God is always everywhere. God, we don't find him. He finds us. And when we're wandering, when we're tired, he is searching and he's longing to just pick us up, put us on his shoulders and say, it's going to be okay. You're going to get past this. You're going to get through this. So if you're wandering has made you tired, he joyfully wants to give you 
relief. That's probably why Jesus said, come to me, you will find rest for your souls. There's a lot of people going through life that need rest. Wondering and getting tired can fill up our heart with fear. Just like, the, just like a sheep would be afraid without protection, so are we. But when we're scared, he protects. In the Old Testament, I talked about King David earlier. In the Old Testament, King David was a little boy, and he was tending to his father's sheep. And a lion came in, a bear came in, they took sheep, and they took off with them. He went out and chased them down, pulled the sheep out of their mouths, and killed them. Not the sheep, the the animals that took the sheep. And when we get scared, when we feel we need protection, when we wander, it can get scary really quick. And we can find ourselves doing things we never thought we would, being in places we never thought we would be. And things can get a hold on us. Things can get us in their mouths like we never imagined. What's got a hold on you today? What's carrying you off like that bear and that lion was carrying off those sheep. What lion or bear has you in its grips today saying, this is it, you're done, you're finished? God is the, the shepherd that wants to protect you in the middle of your fear. Another thing about this story is there was just one sheep. He had 99 others. Why worry about one? We're one, but he treats us like we're the only one. Verse 4 says, does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Jesus told this story while being questioned by a bunch of religious people. They were wondering why Jesus would hang out with people who were so far from God. And he says, "Don't, don't you get it? I'm trying to reveal the shepherd God who will search for you when you're lost, who will hold you up when you're tired, who will love you no matter what, and will treat you like you're the only one. You may feel like you're just one of six billion, but he wants you to feel like you're the only one. He doesn't want you to go through life wandering. He doesn't want you to go through life tired and scared. You know, I don't know why God would pick shepherd and sheep to try to, to try to why Jesus would pick shepherd and sheep to try to portray to us yet another image of God. But all of us know, whether you identify with shepherding or not, all of us know what it's like to be lost, to wander, to be tired, to make the bad decision, to do the wrong thing, and to be scared and feeling like we really don't matter much to anybody. We all know what that's like. So whether you're lost in a career whether you're lost in an addiction, whether your marriage, you think all hope is lost in your marriage, wherever your heart has led you, wherever your mistakes have led you, however far you are off course, you can know what it's like to be found. You can know what it's like to be that one sheep that he says, y'all stay here, I'm going to go find this one that's made a mistake. I'm going to go find this one that's messed up. I'm going to go find this one that's let the hurried life Make them wander away from where they need to be. Every week we say, go over in theater two and talk to somebody if you want to talk. Because there are people over there, if you've wandered down a path you don't want to be on, if you've wandered down a path and think, how did I get here? I got to get back. 
go out and talk to those folks in theater too. They're trained, equipped, and willing to talk to you about anything that you want to talk about. God will find you. God the shepherd will find you right where you are. There's no need to get yourself cleaned up. There's no need to say, well, I'm going to get all this stuff in my life fixed. I'm going to get back on track, and then, then I'm going to open my heart up to God. That's not how it works. Isaiah 53, verse 6 says, Just like sheep, we all wander. And this image of God as a shepherd shows humans how much God really loves them, how important each person really is. And no matter how much you've wandered, no matter how difficult life seems, no matter how much you're thinking, I can't get through this, things aren't going to get better, God says, just stop being afraid, stop wandering, let me pick you up, and let me let you feel me like you're the only person on earth. That's God's desire for every single person, to see him as the shepherd. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this image of you as a shepherd. Father, I pray that no matter how far some of us may have wandered, that we will know that you pursue us, that you will chase us, that you will run us down and love us no matter what we've done. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Every week we take a time in the service to remember, to think about what God has done for us. And if you're a Christ follower, it's a great time to think about what life was like before him. Just think about the days, weeks, or months leading up to the time when you finally said, I want to be found by God. Because Jesus told us when we get together and we share communion together, we remember him and we proclaim him to the world. If you've never taken communion before or you're not sure what it's all about, if it's your first time here, don't feel compelled to, to get up and do it. But if you understand what this thing called communion is, you understand what it means to remember what Christ has done in your life, then we invite you to participate. We invite you to remember. There's going to be four stations on each side of this room, two in the back, two in the front. Just if you're on this side, just come down. There'll be someone standing here. And just break off a piece of bread, dip it in the juice, just like Jesus did the night he was betrayed, and take and remember what Christ has done in your life. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31 says this. Do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. 
strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Our God, you reign forever. Our hope, our strong joined us this morning come next week it'll be different you never know what you're gonna get life point is like a box of chocolates so come next week and uh and gather with us again as we worship our god have a great sunday with your family with your friends shake hands on your way out greet someone new look for a new face tell them your real name
Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Our God, you reign forever. Our hope, our strong Up on the wings, like. 